Kohanim. And um, the, uh, we're learning about something that we don't do right now, but it gives you an idea how different things evolve, and I'm sure you would learn really fascinating stuff if you had the time to go through why these verses are, are here. What we're going to see is that the, the question is, it's really how to say thank you, or, or sorry, how to say you're welcome. When somebody gives you something, you have to show you appreciate it. And so Hashem gives us a bracha, and the question is, do we sit there like a dummy and just say, you know, great, you know, or what do we say? So the, initially there, there was an original version that there needs to be a response to each bracha. And these are the psukim that are quoted here, and we're in the middle of that. Um, again, we'll see in a second that we don't follow that view, but we have to get there. So uh, we're starting on the top of the page, and it sounds like that at a different, each tefillah is a different kind of birchus kohanim, which is interesting. You would have said that the response would be the same for every tefillah, but apparently, according to the tefillah, is the, uh, is the blessing. Um, I, I'm not sure why that is. In other words, that each birchus kohanim, so the Morris question is, benila de Yom Kippur, top of the page 40. When you're doing the ilo on Yom Kippur, and you're having the birchus kohanim, my Omar, what do you say? That's a great song, right? So that's what we say on Yom Kippur. Uh, so now, finally, after we've said all of these various uh, responses that the people in the peanut gallery, the people that are getting the bracha say, when exactly do they say them? So uh, we're going to see there's no consensus. Rav Yosef, Omar, Bain, Kol Brachu, in between the Brachas. Rav says, Bahaskoris Hashem. When they mention Hashem's name, the Kohanim would mention Hashem's name. Uh, we know from Yom Kippur service, when you mention Hashem's name, it's like the world stops. Like everybody goes and they prostrate themselves. And uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's not quick. It's like a slow, you know... Um, uh, it's a life experience. Uh, so maybe that's when, the, as, as they're mentioning the name of Hashem, we would say those, those psukim. So those are two opinions. So, Pligi Bey Rev Mori Rev Zvid. Now, we quoted that for each particular service, it sounded like there were multiple psukim. So one says, Chadom Epsukim. What's interesting is that one opinion is what Ashkenazim do and one opinion is what Sardim do. Oh, really? Okay. In between paragraphs, we say the Rubona paragraph. Uh huh. Right? And, and whenever Sardim hear Hashem's name, either in Davni, Kedusha, or Kaddish, whatever, they say a whole bunch of words. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So the concept, the concept carried over to today. Uh huh. Very good. He's saying that by the Sardim that they do when the Shem Hashem, like. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, Cohen was telling me that he got he he was uh, uh, a little surprised at it or or had to get used to it or whatever the so um right. So he says, kind of psuka psuka. So there were three psukim. So one says one pasuk is for Yivarecha Shemarishmarecha. One pasuk is for the next one, and one pasuk for each one. Lachadomar kol pasuk. Each pasuk gets three. Omer lekulu. 
So uh, that, that was the ancient custom to say these psukim for Birkas Kohanim. If you say these outside the base of Migdush, you're making a mistake. Rashi, four lines from the top. When you hear Hashem's name, so that's why we say the psukim. It doesn't have to do with the Birkas Kohanim. It has to do with the saying of Hashem's name. Now, usually you only say Hashem's name in the Beis HaMikdash. So, this, you actually said Hashem's name outside the Beis HaMikdash when you did Birkas Kohanim. And so, in honor of the saying of Hashem's name, there's something, um, again, that, that there's a unique moment when they say Hashem, we prostrate, you know, we bow on the ground, we feel a humility when we say Hashem's name. So that the, these psukim were in honor of that, but we don't say Hashem's name anymore. Least, uh, I haven't done it in a long time. I don't know if any of you have, uh, but no, we, have, we don't say Hashem's name. So since we don't, if you were to uh, say those psukim, you were making a mistake. Oh, yeah. Do you think there's going to be like a reenactment of heaven in the Mount Sinai, like you die when we hear the name? Like people are prostrate because they... Uh... I never thought about it, but that could be. Um, what, what, why is it that we bow? I always thought of it as humility, you know, like... We just should, bow, we just... We, 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 we do the whole, right, it's, it's not just a bow, right, right, right. So you're saying maybe it's like our soul leaves us or... Uh, okay, yeah, it could be. I, I, I hadn't thought about it, but that's, that's very interesting. We're talking about why is it that we, you know, we bow when we hear Hashem's name and, and we prostrate like the full, you know, what's the, um, what's the theme here? But we're saying that they had a whole bunch of prayers when they heard Hashem's name. Uh, so that's one view. Um, but Omar Reb Bar Papa, he said, I disagree with the whole thing. Which is, he says, he says, what do you mean? You, you don't say it only in the, in the outside of, uh, in there it's Israel, the base of Middash. He says, I don't think you should say it in the base of Middash. Kulum yesh eved shemivorchen oso, ve'enu mazen. Someone's giving you a bracha and you're talking? You know, he, he disagrees with the whole concept. It's so interesting, like we, spent, we said all these psukim and all these, these, these what kind of, what's going on here? I, don't, I disagree with the whole concept. You get a bracha, you sit there quietly. Um, he says you should say it both ways in the base so we have two opposite views one says you never say it and one says you always say it and what the third view was you always say it in the base of English right four three views he says if somebody gives you a bracha you don't say thank you you don't say, I appreciate that. that that's, that's great. You know, you're going to sit there quietly, let somebody give you. You're being interesting. I wonder what the debate is here really about. Is, is it... It's like going against. The other opinion said that uh, you, you, you don't say it, and he said you should say it because you need to respond. You need to... That's for, against the one way you shouldn't say it. Correct. I got it. I got it. Um, I'm wondering, do you, when you get a bracha, do you get something right away, or is it only in the future? In other words, when you have a bracha, did you get a bracha? Does the, is there something in the bracha itself, or is it just a promise for later? There's also a belief in, in the bracha. If a person gave someone else a bracha, and the other person just walked away, so 
Uh huh. Okay. I think that goes into what he's saying. Yeah, Mazupan means you have to show you believe in it, right? You you're grateful for it. Uh, uh, I, you know, I thought this was a nice idea. I used to do it. I used to say these, uh, um, uh, these psukim. But uh, I saw the great sage Reb Abba from Akko, the lo amr He doesn't say it. So I figured if he doesn't say it, ananami lo aminu lehu. I, I, I say, when I, um, when I just got married, my the Rosh Hashiva had me over for a Friday night meal. I'd never eaten at his house Friday night. And um, I noticed that when he sang Shalom Aleichem, he only sang it once. So I said, great. Now I'm not going to say it three times. <laughs> so I, I, you know, when you get married, you know, what should I do? It says in the sitter. Some people say three times. Well, am I those that say three times? They say it once, you know, we're ready to... So I said, it's, if it, for him, one time is enough. For me, one time was enough. And so I only say it one time there. But, uh, you know, you just, when, you, when you first, you have to decide what are you going to do for your family? Like what makes the... So he said, whatever Rav Abba Minako did, so um, uh, he, he said, one, you know, he, did, he skipped it, and he was a very holy person, so that's what we're going to do. Okay. But now the Gemara is going to talk about this famous person, uh, this Rav uh, Abba from Akko. So he said the fact, Omer Revo. Revo said, it's a fascinating Gemara, it's a piece of Agadita, uh, it should be on our minds. Uh, we don't talk about it enough. Um, we're supposed to be humble. Uh, we're the greatest. Uh, Hashem praises Moshe Rabbeinu for being humble. And part of uh, Har Sinai was that it was a humble mountain. And getting ready for Har Sinai is working on humility. We don't really know that much what humility is. It's, it's, uh, it's very foreign to us uh, exactly how, to, how it works, what to do with it. So... Um, he said, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of being humble. He said, that's what I used to think. I thought that I was okay with it. But then I saw somebody else who had real humility, and I said, whoa. I said, I, I don't have... So he was being humble when he realized he wasn't humble. Right? He said, He said, I, I saw what real humility is. The Omar, this is what, uh, this is what real humility is. So humility, I, I, the way I understood it is like this. It's, um, it's easy to be humble when other people are greater than you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not called being humble. It's called being truthful a little bit, you know, admitting that there are other people that are, you know, more talented than you or greater. You know, so of course you should be humble around. But what about when it's your servant, when it's the guy that works for you? So it's much harder being humble. So he said, uh, I saw this, Ihu had time, he would... So in those days, they didn't have microphones. They had a job for somebody with a really loud voice who would repeat the lecture. Now, usually the person had to be somewhat learned because if they were going to amplify the lecture, they had to understand it and be able to say it. But their job was just to repeat whatever their teacher would say. They would announce it. They had thousands of students. You know, it was like a... So um, he would say one reason, and when the guy would repeat the lecture, he would add his two cents in. Now, that's like, you know, chutzpah gadola, like to have the person who's just the microphone uh, say, I think the, you know, the teacher said like this, and I think this is the correct, well, who are you, you know? So, the Omer Ihu Chadtam, I would say, he would say his own reason, Omer Amora Chadtam, and the speaker, the guy who was just the human microphone, below Kapid, and the teacher didn't get angry. 
So he said, that's real humility, you know, like the, uh, to, uh, to really allow for other opinions and to make that other opinion almost like equal to your opinion and not be bothered by it. You want to say your reason? Very good. So you know what? This is interesting. He said, once I saw that, Amina, I said, I'm not, a, I'm not humble. My humility never, it's, why can't he be humble and he be more humble? He said, no, I, I realize that my humility doesn't hold a torch to that. So it must be I'm not humble. And uh, where do you see, my, I'm Venusa de Revavahu. Where do you see that Revavahu was humble? The Omer Lehu, uh, he said the following, the Omer Lebisa da Amura, the wife, now it gets really interesting. Once you get into husbands and wives, then it's uh, all bets are off. And uh, um, I think it means also that once other people are involved, it's harder to be humble. And sometimes uh, other people want you to be more aggressive about it. So what happened was the following. Uh, you know what a person thinks sometimes by what his wife uh, lets on. So the wife of the speaker said, The wife of the speaker said to the wife of Revo, He said, even though uh, now the speaker would be very humble, he would bow, uh, the, the lecturer would be sitting down, the elderly sage, you know, the... Uh, today you have the, you know you have rabbis that are in their nineties, a hundred. You can barely hear them. Hear them. So the speaker would bend down. Uh, today we have microphones, so you know you don't need it. But they, the speaker would bend down and listen to what the sage who was sitting would say, and then he would stand up and broadcast it in a booming voice. So had he done, he said, you know, my husband, even though he took this job to be your husband's microphone, uh, sarakle. He doesn't need your husband. He could say the class even without your husband. He's, you know, it, it, but how, why does he bow down and do the whole thing? The, um, uh, they had this, the government uh, would show respect to a certain leader. There was a certain leader who they would knight and show um, respect to. And then if you, uh, you had to respect who the government showed respect to. Believe it or not, the czar used to do that. They used to pick rabbis, and they used to have a, a local rabbi who was called the czar's rabbi, you know, that was the... Uh, um, and sometimes they weren't learned, and you had to just like, you know, this, the, that's the one that the, uh, the government picked. So uh, he said, really, you know, the, the reason why my husband, like, bows down to you, your husband, is just he wants to show respect to the, you know, the governor said, you know, picked him. But uh, really, my husband is, is uh, he can do it all alone. Uh, so what happened? Then his wife went. He said, do you know that your speaker thinks that he's, he's greater than you? <laughs> he thinks that he only bows down to you he doesn't want to have trouble with the government. But, and, he, and he feels that he really knows even more than you do. He could do it himself without you. So, so he said to his wife, my nafkamina, he said, uh, what difference does it make? Um, you know, whether I say it or he says it, God will be praised. What's the difference? So that was humility. You know, so that's the, let's see the Rashi about the, um, what was the deal about Yikur de Mahuso? Uh, it's about 10 lines up. He was the one who the king honored. Like it says in Chagiga, Kesri. Revavo in the house of the Caesar, Ubisanhedrin, 
So when Revavo would go to the Caesar, they would have a concert, meaning that they would have, I, I tried to figure this out, they would have maidens who would come out and serenade him. Here comes the rabbi. <laughs> that was the, you know, when the Caesar would do it, Omri, I'll read the words, Napik Amasa, Amasa are the maidservants, the Bay Kisseri, of the house of the Caesar, Laape, Umisharin Kame, and they would sing, Rabba de Amma. Here comes the leader of his people, Midamra Laumsa, the founder of the nation. And so, um, you know, like with, with us, when the president walks in, they have that song that they play for the president. Uh, dun, 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 you know, so like when Revavahu would come to the Caesar, they had a special song that they would sing in his honor. That's it. Rashi brings the... Uh, so, so the Caesar wanted to honor him. So, you know, we have to... Uh, if that's who the government picks, so we have to show respect. Uh, um, in those countries where they have like a chief rabbi, that's what they do. They have like the at the coronation of the uh, of the king, they had the chief rabbi of, of England was there because that they, you know he picks somebody who's and usually they get knighted and they get uh, that's that's just the way these uh, and so even if you don't particularly agree with that chief rabbi or but you know that's who the government chooses to to pick, so you have to show them respect. Okay. Uh, so we're in the, uh, that was the story here of humility. Um, the Sioux and the Mora brings another story, Revo, uh, to give you an idea of this humility. Now this story is even more amazing, uh, that's what I thought, but okay. Revavo imni rabbana la menina beresha. The rabbis took a vote and they said, let's make him the head honcho. Let's make him the head of the, uh, the yeshiva. Let's appoint him the one to be in charge. There was another rabbi there. Uh, he was Reb Abba from Akko. He, he owed a lot of money. He had a lot of debts. And so he was, a, he was a sage and he was very poor. So whoever got appointed the Rosh Hashiva didn't have to worry about money because the, the people would take care of the debt. They wanted him to be able to teach it was a lucrative job. So there was another rabbi who was poor. Uh, so he said, Ika rabbi, he said, uh, don't choose me, choose him. He's, he's greater than me. So he gave up the job simply because he felt that he needs the money more than I do. That was humility. Because that was everybody's dream to be the head, to run the yeshiva, to have everybody listen to you. And he looked at it, it's a chance to do chesed. You know, the guy's got a lot of debts. How's he ever going to get out of these debts? So, um, Let's not belittle him, the Rosh Hashiva, <clears throat> by saying instead of qualifications, he needs some money type of thing. They both were probably cajoling. They probably were both, yeah. They probably both would. He, he, he was sure the other guy would be okay. Right. He just wanted to, uh, he felt he could use the money more than, I, I don't right. need the money, he needs the money, so let him have the job, uh, something like that. There is a Rashi here. Omar Ravo Isbe Rabba, Chacham Gadol. There's another wise sage who, who would be better than me. When you get the job, they give you gifts. They make you rich. Uh, they need the, the person that's the head to be important. And people should listen to you. Apparently people don't listen to you unless you got money. We find the kind God also they made wealthy. Um, in other words, whoever had that position had to be a person of means 
that uh, was able to do things. So he said, he's got a lot of chavos, let's put him there. Okay, back to the Gemara. Again, the, the, um, there are people, the truth is, sometimes you don't even know of them, that are heroes that are able to show, you know, that have given up things for them, you know, for other mm-hmm. people, that have that, have that thought, you know, he needs it more than me, kind of thing. But it's, it's a great, you know, very few people are able to do that in that way, you know, to, you know, they chose him and say, no, you know, I think he could use it more than me. And, the, um, okay. Rabba, Revo, Revchia, Barava. These three rabbis, Ikalahu Asa, they came to a certain place. Revavo, Dorish, Bagadita. Revavo, the question was, each one was going to give a lecture, a guest lecture. So Revo, he told stories. He, he talked about the part of the Talmud that's Agadita, the, the, the stories. Revchia, Barava, Dorish, Bishmaisa. He did halacha. <coughs> Rashi, Shmaisa, halachas, dinim, v'iser, v'taharos. So the two big lectures. One is on dinim and taharos. I noticed how excited everybody was when we learned taharos. That was like the, uh, the best daf we ever had, you know, right? And then we have the other daf, you know, interesting stories. So shaf, guess what happened? Believe it or not, shaf kikula amal Barava. Everybody left rechivarava's class. Also, gabed revo. They went to Rev Avo's class. So guess what? Cholish he, um, he, he didn't, uh, he felt bad. Like, you know, nobody's interested in what I have to say. Nobody's coming to my class. The other rabbi's more popular. Omele, so he said to him, let me explain to you why this is happening. Not because you're not great and what you're saying isn't better. It's comparable to two people. Elchan Mokar Avanim Tovos. One of them is selling very expensive jewels. They cost a fortune. Ve'echad Mokar Mini Sidkis. And the other one is selling the Chinese stuff, the cheap, you know, cheap stuff. Almi Kosin. Who does everybody go to? Where everybody goes? Lo Almisha Mokar Mini Sidkis. It's the one who sells the cheap chachkalach. Because who's ready to pay, you know, very big, big bucks on the... Uh, it's interesting, you have these jewelry stores, um, you almost never see a car there, but the one or two cars that are there, they pay for, you know, the whole week, whereas the, you know, you have these other stores that sell these, you know, they make pennies, but they need to sell much, much more. So he, that's why he was saying, to your shear, you're selling diamonds, but, you know, you don't get as many takers as that. Koyoma, uh, now, he still, uh, the rabbi still had a very small class and didn't feel so good. So, he used to walk him to his hotel room, to where he was staying. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it was the other way around. The other rabbi used to walk him in order to show respect because the Caesar had chosen him as the chief rabbi. But on that day that the other rabbi seemed dejected, so he, he turned around and showed the honor to him. And he still, it still didn't totally help. There, there is a, um, so uh, it's really on the concept of being willing to, to give up on your own honor to show someone else honor or be sensitive to someone else uh, slight, uh, not, not feeling the honor or feeling the, uh, that was the, the Gemara got off topic a little bit to discuss this humility. Uh, from the sages, or we see from these stories. Um, let's just do the Rashi. What is the Sidkis? I was telling you, Chashkalach, Kli Malechus Nashim, Va'aniyim. 
He said it's the vessels that the women and the poor people use. Kikon plachim, machtim, vesinoris, needles, pins and needles. Pins and needles and uh, forks and little, little things. So the little things uh, are what the, uh, uh, they, they tend to get more excitement because everybody can afford them. Whereas the big expensive things, uh, you know, that's not, uh, they don't have as many buyers. Okay, we get back to the Shmona Esrei. When the Chazan is saying Modim, what does the people say? And uh, this is interesting too. We usually have the, the Shliach Sibor doing it for us. But when it comes to giving thanks, you, you have to do it yourself. That's, that's also, why do we have a Modim de Rabbanin? Because he can't give thanks for you. <laughs> you have to give thanks yourself. And so the, and the wording is a little bit different. And there, there actually is a little bit of a discussion, like, does he say it quietly? Does he say it out loud? What's the, um, so what are the wording that we say? So, Omar Rab, Modim we give thanks to you, Hashem, Al-Sha'anu That's a, we say we are grateful to all these things that we are, have to be grateful for. Shmuel says, Elokei He says, no, we have to mention that you're the God of all flesh, of everybody, you're the creator. You got to go all the way back. You're not only are we thankful for what you did now, well, how about creating us in the world? We give blessings and thanks on your great name. That you have kept us alive. Every day you keep us alive. And you keep us going. He finished like this. Now, just like you kept us alive, we need to stay alive. You should keep us together. And gather the Jews together. And gather everybody to your holy courtyard. To keep your commandments and to do your will. With all your heart. Those go into it. So everyone, it was an argument about what was the proper way to give thanks. So what should we do? What do we say? So therefore, we incorporate them all. And that's what we do. We, uh, our Nusach has almost all of those elements of modim. Um, if we had time, we'd try to break them down, what each one was adding. And uh, most of us never think about it, what it is, you know, because it's just the modim. You know, it's like quickly you mumble it. And, uh, but each one was emphasizing a different aspect that we have to be grateful for. Uh, one just small thing is that um, the modim de Rabbanan is like Shech Yanu. It's Shech Yanu Vikiyam Tanu. It's an idea that we're grateful to be alive. Every, you know, every day we get to modim, we're grateful to have reached that spot. You know, it's a, a person has to be thankful for life itself. He makes a new comment that when you stand in front of the, the Tzibor, the community, like when you daven and you're the Shliach Tzibor, you should have an awe of the Tzibor. You shouldn't take it lightly. Well, I'm, I'm davening for them. No, you should have the Ema of the Tzibor Alecha. The, um, we had, I don't know if this is where I got it from, but uh, um, in my yeshiva where I, I first um, learned for many years, they had people that were baledictuk, people that were very careful in pronunciation. And um, the young boys would be often davening, and almost always you would get somebody would call you over afterwards and correct you. 
And it was scary to Davin because, you know, you, you, you'd be saying certain things. And it was good because you learned how to pronounce things. But uh, so to this day, I'm always nervous when I Davin. Like, it's just, it's just like in my, you know, I'm still that little kid who's getting up there. You know, maybe I'll say something wrong. Who's going to call me over afterwards? The, it was like they were elderly sages, you know, and they, you would like, you would think you did a good job, and then they call you over and they say, "This is supposed to be said like this," you know. And, and they, in theory, there was always something they could find, you know. But, uh, but anyway, so uh, you should have the ema, you should have the fear of the tibur lecha. Shari kohanim pneim klapeyam, the kohanim face the people, vachoreim klapeshchina, their back faces the shchina. You show respect for the community that you lead. Really? That's what he says? All right, okay. Wow, I never heard that before. That's very good. He's saying, I thought it was just the he's saying the modim of different rabbanim. Uh, when you give thanks. Okay, that's beautiful. So uh, Rev, Na Rev Nachman said from the following, he brings a proof. This proof isn't so clear, but again, the, the, well, you'll, you'll decide that. Um, the question, we're saying that you're supposed to respect the, the community, the group. In other words, as a group, you're supposed to show respect to the group. Um, unfortunately, there are people who do the opposite. They like to insult the group. Oh, this everybody is a slob, or nobody cares about this or that. But it's actually supposed to be the opposite. You're supposed to be very careful when you talk about a group. You know, Lush and her is bad enough when you do it against one person. There are people that they think if you, you know, you disparage the group, you know, and you say something bad, you know, but it, he says you have to have all of the group. So this is what it says. Listen, my people and my, uh, my brothers and my people. That's how he sounds like Shlomo Karbach over here, right? They, you know, the, the, my brothers and my, I called everybody my brothers. That was, uh, um, so he said, uh, Why does he call the Tzibor my brothers? If they're my brothers, why do you got to call them my people? If they're my people, why my brothers? So, Omer uh, So I think what he wanted to say is I have affection towards you. I view you as my people. There's some people who look down, uh, the leaders that look down on their people. You know, their people are the peasants. They're the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the uh, uh, certain leaders had a certain arrogance about the, about, you know, everybody else was, I'm the mighty leader. So, Omar loves Omar David. But David said like this, If you listen to me, then I love you. You're then my brothers. Then you're my people. Then I'm going to lead you with a, with a stick. Um, so, um, Basically, he was saying that uh, I'm all lovey-dovey and, you know, I get all that, but uh, you have to do what you're supposed to. Otherwise, I'll do what I'm supposed to. And, uh, you know, it's the carrot and the stick. So, but he was trying to show that, why did he even have to do the carrot? Because he felt, I have to tell you I love you. You're my brothers. You know, so you have to have that kind of uh, affection for the Tibur. Uh He said from the following, we don't let the Kohanim go up in their shoes, Leduchin. Kohanim got to take off their shoes. Now, what's the reason uh, that they take off their shoes? So the assumption here was that shoes get dirty. And when you stand on the platform, so the people, uh, they see your feet. 
it's funny today because uh, I remember when they started wearing colored socks. And so all of a sudden, people were all staring at which Cohen was wearing the most unusual socks. And then I knew one Cohen was wearing very, he tried to wear very colorful socks because he figured he was getting everybody's attention. And so he would go up there with uh, interesting socks. Uh, but if you were going up there with muddy shoes, so that's disrespectful to the shul. So it went all the way back. You have to show respect to the shul. You don't show them your dirty shoes. So that's why they took off the shoes. So what do you do? You show them your colorful socks. Okay. Omar Ravashi. He says, Love Hassam. He says, You got the reason wrong. He says, It is true that they don't wear shoes, but for a different reason. And that reason is Shema Nifsa You know, nobody ever sees that your shoes are tied. And uh, so uh, sometimes people's shoes, uh, the strap is, uh, isn't tied right, but Sandilo. They, they, sometimes some shoes have complicated straps, and if you everybody's going to see you, all of a sudden you might be embarrassed. Most of the time, people don't see what your shoes look like. You know, they, I remember once I picked two different shoes, and I, you know, for, you know, that I, nobody noticed, right? Not, not for Birkas Kohana. I'm just saying, one morning I grabbed two different. I was in, but uh, so he said, if you if people were to uh, wear their regular shoes, maybe the shoes would need retying. Vahara izulamaturet. And you figured, well, I'd be busy tying them. And everybody would see there's one coin missing. And they'll say, where is that guy? He must be Ben Grusha Ben Chalutzahu. Maybe he's not from the bunch. So that's the reason that they, they don't wear shoes, because of this reason that there'll be somebody who's going to be uh, doing that. Rashi Doma Mifsa Ritzua. Why would you care if your shoestring breaks or, or your strap is off? You're embarrassed. Everybody's going to notice that I didn't tie my shoes right. And they'll make litsanas on you. <laughs> Nobody wants them to make litsanas on you. You'll be the butt of all the jokes. Did you see that Kohen? He doesn't even know how to tie his shoes, right? So, because your shoe is, is wrong. You'll be sitting there and trying to know sometimes your shoe's just, uh, the string isn't long enough. And everybody else is going to start making the bracha. And everybody's going to say, hey, did you notice Cohen over there? He's not there. It must be his mother was doing something that she wasn't supposed to, and they never told everybody. And that's why he's not here. So in order to prevent rumors, you know what? Just take off your shoes. As we turn the page. The Kolkach Lama. So we get back to the Mishnah, and we said there was a different version of the Birchus Kohanim in the base of Migdush than... Uh, um, they said it differently than outside. Because why was that? Was it one long bracha? Lefisha ain't on an amen b'migdash. Because they didn't say amen in the base of migdash. They didn't pause to say amen. Amen means I acknowledge Hashem. In the base of migdash, you didn't need to acknowledge Him. Uh, he, the, Hashem's presence was so clear in the base of migdash. It's like in front of the king, you don't say, yeah, I believe in you. He's right here. There, Hashem's presence was so strong in the base of Migdush that Amen was like disrespectful. Like, of course he's here. You see him. So they didnn't say Amen. How do you know They used to say Hashem is from this world to the other world. The base of Migdush is like an, an, an otherworldly experience. How do you know you also add the word Tehila praise? Give praise. Uh, 
So the brachos in the base of Migdash had at two aspects that we don't have. They said mina olam bad olam, and uh, they also said praise. Let's see Rashi mina olam bad olam. Three lines from the top. Actually, that starts. It starts two lines. Kuba baruchah Hashem alkim mina olam. B'sefer Ezrik Siv shekol bracha shayim avorchem b'Migdash. Every bracha they made in the base of Migdash. This was the lay. Baruchah to Hashem elokei Yisrael mina olam bad olam lemogin Avram. That was how they did it. Um, you see, by the way, that they had a special davening in the base of Migdush. They, they davened in the base of Migdush. Some people ask that, you know, like, because we don't focus on the davening in the base, we focus on the, on the avoda. But they did have a, a, a shliatzib with it. Um, okay, let's see the Mishnah. New thing. There was another famous ceremony that had to be uh, in Hebrew. Uh, this was the bracha of the Kohen Gadol. Uh, and uh, we're not so familiar because we haven't seen a kain gadol in many years. Hopefully, we will soon. Birchas kain gadol ketzad. When did the kain gadol do his thing? Ketzad So this was a special ceremony on Yom Kippur. So the leader of the shul would take the sefer Torah v'nosna leroshek nesses, and he'd give it to the president, and the roshek nesses would give it to the assistant vice president. Vaska nosna the kain gadol. They had a procession where they, they had one handed it to the other to the other. Um, it's uh, somewhat like what we do with the, um, uh, like the baby at a bris, you know, like you one hands it to the other. It's like a kind omen and the kind gadol would uh, be there to receive the Torah, and he would lane parshas achremos and then he would roll up the Torah and he would put it in his lap. He would hold the Torah. They had smaller Torahs, by the way. Uh, I don't know necessarily this was a small one, but they did have uh, smaller, uh, uh, some of their Torahs were smaller. But Omar, and he would say, Yes, sir, my shikrisi lifnechem kasukan. You don't think this is everything? More than, than what I'm reading is written here. We'll see why he had to say that. And then in the other parsha, in Bamidbar, Kara al It would take a while to roll the Torah there. So he read that one by heart. And he would make eight brachas on this special Torah reading of the Kain Gadol. And the rest was the regular Tvila. More is going to explain that. So again, we have a, a, a brand new ceremony that we've never talked about before called the, uh, the Brachas of the Kain Gadol, which was done on Yom Kippur. And they took the Sefer Torah and they uh, handed one to another until it was brought to the Kain Gadol. He leaned from it and he, then he rolled it up and would lay a uh, second parsha by heart and he made eight brachas. This was a special service. Let's see the Gemara. Now, first of all, it's interesting that the Torah would be go from one to another. So, Shema Mina, Cholkem Kavod Letalba, Malkam Arav. The vice president's getting an honor. You know, we're showing honor to the other people too, they get to hand, you know, so does this, it's debatable whether it's appropriate to first, if you're trying to show honor to the main person, the kind Gadol, do you then honor the people beneath him? So this sounds like you do. When you honor the underlings, so it's, it's like honoring, eventually it's like the buildup to the kind Gadol. It's not necessarily a, a proof to that. So kind Gadol, Omen Mikabal Vakara. So it says he would stand up and catch the Torah and grab the Torah. So what do you mean, stand up? Did that mean he was sitting? 
Aye, how could he be sitting? The only one who had a chair was the king. The king had a throne there. But nobody else, even the king Gadol, was standing. So what does it mean he stood up? How do we know that? The, um, Tosu says, this famous rule, uh, let's see the bottom Tosu. So I don't know where it came from, that rule, but that's a famous rule. It's good because, you know, sometimes you think they know everything, you know. I don't know where that one came from, but that's a... There, there was this famous tradition that uh, only the Malchim based David, and it was accepted, he just doesn't know the source of it. Okay, back to the Gemara. So we're in the middle of a question. What did it mean he stood up? So our, our question is, the Kohen Gadol was not allowed to sit, so how could he stand up to receive the Torah? It was an Ezra's Nashim. Now we think of it like our Ezra's Nashim. They called it the Ezra's Nashim because when there was a service that the women went to, the women were allowed to go there. But it wasn't strictly the Ezra's Nashim. There, there were many things that were done in that part of the base of Migdush. So that part was where they did the Torah laning. The Torah laning, you could. So until then, the Kohen was sitting at Hachanami Bezra's Nashim. That's what he wants to say. That's this particular ceremony of the Torah reading didn't take place in the main sanctuary. It took place in the Ezra's Nashim, that part. Mesfe, is that true? Haken Korinbo, where did they lane? In the Zorah. That was it. Rebbe and Yaakov says, Baharabayas on the Temple Mount. And we'll have to wait for tomorrow to resolve this puzzle where the Torah reading took place.